With the new strategic plan picking up momentum, we wanted to break down some of the key goals and elements of the plan itself. Today, we have the wonderful opportunity to speak with our research director, Dr. Lori Brown, as she shares what it means to be a leading voice in childhood development. Stay tuned. Back to this edition of Camp Wire. We are so ecstatic to have our uh, guest today, Dr. Lori Brown. She is the research director for the American Camp Association as well as a research and education consultant. Dr. Lori, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's, um, it's a busy time as we approach our national conference and lots of projects going on, um, but all really exciting stuff that I'm excited to talk about. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. Like you said, you know we're busy, but and, and just a personal plug for Dr. Lori. My role here at the American Camp Association is in PR, and every once in a while I get some great questions, but sometimes they're a little out of left field, and uh, whenever people ask me for crazy data information, I always go to Dr. Lori, and she is uh, just a joy to work with. She's always so patient and helpful, and it's crazy awesome. some of the things that they have in terms of data that we can help with. So, uh, yeah. uh, Dr. Lori, I just really appreciate you and uh, that I get to work with you. So, well, thanks, uh, Kyle. I appreciate you too. Of course. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So, so uh, one of the, I've actually heard that you used to work uh, with Clearwater Camp for Girls, and you might have to help me say this. Is it Minocqua, Wisconsin? In Minocqua, Wisconsin. Minocqua. Okay. All right. Yes. So, so That's close yet so far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And and so you were you uh, were involved with that before you joined ACA as a research director. And you actually mentioned to me that you met your husband while working at that camp, even though he was working at a different camp. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you two met? Uh, not at all. It's my favorite story, but I will <laughs> have to share. Um, kind of up there with my favorite stories, and that is that I got my start with ACA research as a seasonal camp counselor at Clearwater. Wow. So I was working summers and loving it, um, leading wilderness trips for girls, which I really loved, um, and then in college throughout the year. And <clears throat> one of my summers, the director at the time, Sonny Moore, who is an icon in camp leadership, um, said, Lori, we've been selected to participate in a national study about camp. Would you be interested in being uh, the point person for Clearwater and helping us coordinate data collection? And this was during my undergrad, mm -hmm. so a long time ago. I'm not going to give you the <laughs> And I said, of course. And so I uh, participated in a training Mm -hmm. uh, with, the, with what I now know as the original national outcome study. So this is around 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. um, I participated in a training at the uh, Mid-States Camp Conference uh, about how to collect data from campers and parents. Um, I remember we literally had uh, a stack of dollar bills that we mm -hmm. were given to give out to folks as an incentive, this mm -hmm. crisp stack of dollar bills. Uh, <laughs> And that was my start, was as a seasonal staff person um, with ACA Research. And wow. now here I am, over a decade later, um, with the honor of supporting our next national study, which I know we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a fun fact. But also during that time, uh, you did mention that I, I met my husband, which is true. So I was working at Clearwater, which is an all-girls camp. So he was not uh, working at Clearwater, but <laughs> he was working at a, another camp in the area mm -hmm. called Camp Timberlane for Boys. Uh, he was also leading wilderness trips, and we met in town, mm -hmm. literally at an establishment. Um, if anyone's been to Minocqua, they would know this place called Otto's, and I say that because we now have a dog named Otto. 
Oh, awesome. That very reason. <laughs> and um, we had a wonderful summer romance. Um, he actually proposed to me at camp at Clearwater during flag, flag lowering. Um, I came to find out that everyone knew about it except for me. <laughs> it was a wonderful surprise. Um, and then a year later, we actually got married at Clearwater. And oh, our nice. wedding was at probably the most special place on the Clearwater Camp property down at the point where we have our um, all kinds of ceremonies and services. It's this beautiful kind of finger of land that's surrounded by water. And, um, and all of our guests came and stayed at camp. And we had, it was really casual and lots of dancing. And it was a lot of fun. And, and I will say, so I, I do go back to the Northwoods um, because my kids now attend camp in the area, not this uh -huh. camp. A different, a different camp. And we'll go back and, and see people in town and people will say, oh, you're the ones that got engaged and oh, got married wow. in water. So it's, it's a little bit of a Northwoods uh, legend, which is kind of Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're famous. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Famous, but it's a sounds, fun story. Yeah. Sounds like camp is uh, very closely associated with your heart. So uh, it's good news for us that we uh, get to have you on board. So that's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I, yeah, I love that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of like uh, segueing into um, uh, one of the things we want to talk about today. Um, in our last podcast, we actually talked to Henry DeHart uh, for a general overview of this strategic plan that ACA is implementing. Um, and the first pillar of that strategic plan is this goal to be a leading voice for camp and youth education development. And um, I, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about what that means. Sure, sure. And this is this is something I could I could probably talk a lot about or very very little, and that's for two reasons. One is that um, there's some additional words in there that are mm -hmm. new to us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, youth education and development. Mm -hmm. um, ACA has been in the business of youth development for a very long time, and I believe it was, it was under the leadership of Peg Smith that that ACA really established itself as a youth development organization. Mm -hmm. And it was that first national outcome study that I described. Um, it was kind of 2004, 2005, that really demonstrated through research for the first time that camp experiences promote what we call developmental outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things that kids gain that align with what we know from research as um, youth development, things that kids need to develop to thrive in, you know, into adulthood. And so that really established camp and camp experiences as a context for youth development and ACA as a leading voice for youth development. So all of our work in the last 10 to 15 years really has been focused on youth development and youth development outcomes. Mm -hmm. The addition of the word education, I think is very strategic. And of course it's in our strategic plan. <laughs> Because what's, what's happened since then is an acknowledgement in sort of the out-of-school time world and the school spaces about social-emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And this is not um, a move away from youth development. I think it's just um, a way to deepen our understanding of youth development, and it's a, a kind of another way to describe youth development. But what social-emotional learning refers to is the process of learning how to kind of navigate inner and outer processes. So mm -hmm. learning how to navigate your own internal um, skills and areas of growth, as well as, you know, to, to navigate social situations, interpersonal situations, mm -hmm. right? And so social emotional learning is really getting a lot of buzz in the educational world because it's largely considered to be the building blocks for all kinds of learning. Right. 
Right. Uh, we, we know that, you know, kids aren't going to learn a whole lot about math if they don't feel safe, if of they don't course. feel like they belong. And if they don't have the social and emotional skills to navigate belonging and all the emotions that come along with that. So schools are really starting to talk a lot about SEL, social emotional learning, and how they can also, you know, embed the curriculum with opportunities to engage in social emotional learning. Um, and, and a point of note there is that I say engage in social emotional learning because social emotional learning is largely regarded as, as a practice. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you master and then you're done. Right, <laughs> it's something right. that we all engage with. We all continue to grow throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. And so engaging kids in social emotional learning and helping them identify, I'm learning these skills, I'm practicing them is, is really important, especially when kids are really geared in schools, at least to take a test and master a thing and be done with it. Social emotional learning is very different. It's very process oriented. So I say all this because the, the dialogue around social emotional learning aligns beautifully with everything we've identified about camps for, well, frankly, for generations, right? So it's very consistent with the language we have around youth development, that camp experiences promote things like friendship skills, relationship skills, team building, problem solving. All of those are also considered central to social emotional learning, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, this idea of SEL is, is not new to us, but is a very exciting opportunity to align with this kind of growing narrative within schools and educational spaces around the importance of SEL. And so mm -hmm. that's the strategic importance of the word education alongside development, because now we can demonstrate that, yes, camp is a context for youth development, and it's a context that supports more traditional educational processes like schools, right? right. So this is an opportunity to really say that, um, you know, kids need camp experiences as a part of a much larger learning landscape. They need to go to school. They need to go to camp. They need time in their communities with their families. It's all part of a learning process. That's, that's excellently put, you know, camp is just camp, but what kids learn at camp is so much more, it's so much more important in terms of their overall development. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, so, so as uh, director of research, um, what are some of the areas of focus? You mentioned um, social emotional learning. Are there any others that you focus on specifically related to uh, youth education and development? Yeah, well, so I'm going to focus that my response a little bit within the context of our impact study, mm -hmm. which I've spoken about before on this podcast, but it's a, it's a good time to actually give a little bit of an update because the study is quite large. There are lots of dimensions, a lot of research questions, and research questions that are continuing uh, to emerge from the data. We're taking a very um, exploratory approach, mm -hmm. meaning, um, you know, we have a a quantitative survey-based way of measuring outcomes and growth and outcomes over time. Mm -hmm. We're also talking to people, uh, right. parents, campers, and staff. And it's in these rich conversations that we're hearing new narratives and we're thinking, we're, we're discovering uh, questions that emerge from that, that we then track. Mm -hmm. So some of our big areas, I mean, I would say that social emotional learning is a big theme for mm -hmm the outcomes that parents, campers, and staff are describing uh, that they get out of their camp experiences. Mm -hmm. Some other areas of interest for us are around decision-making um, for both campers and staff. Basically, what is the process that gets people to camp, keeps them coming back to camp, and might serve as barriers 
to, mm -hmm. uh, to returning to camp or to attending camp in the first place. So I'd say a really exciting dimension of that is the work that we're doing with families. And in specific, um, we're not talking to whole families, we're talking with dyads. Mm -hmm. So that's a parent and a child pair. Uh, so we're doing surveys and interviews with parents and, and one of their children together uh, for the purpose of trying to get at the kind of the interplay between them, the dialogue, the relationship between the parent and the child, and then the decision-making process around camp. And so we're asking questions about, you know, how did you decide to go to camp? How did you decide to return to camp? What other things are you doing? How are you valuing camp in relation to all the things that you're choosing to do? And then how do you describe what you're gaining from camp? So there's mm -hmm. the, the outcomes piece as well. So this is a, an entirely new dimension for us. We've never really explored um, kind of access to and perceptions of value around camp from the parent perspective before. Mm -hmm. So really exciting. And again, something else I can talk a lot about. I will say that we're doing that exact same line of inquiry with staff. Okay. Um, and really exploring, you know, perceptions of that. What, what do you get out of working at camp? And then what is the decision-making process mm -hmm. to, to work at camp, to come back to camp, to not work at camp, all of those things put together. And not surprisingly, a lot of what we're hearing from staff lines up quite, quite nicely with what we're hearing about campers, at least in terms of outcomes and what staff are getting out of their camp work experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a really interesting uh, moment in our research because we're actually in year four. So the study has been going on for a while. We've learned a lot. And then the, the questions keep blossoming and inspiring new lines of inquiry. So a lot, a lot there that I could keep going about, but I'll stop there. Sure. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. Definitely appreciate that. And it's cool to know that uh, we're focusing just as much on camp staff and parents as we are with kids because they're, they're so much a part of the whole overall experience. Um, because without the staff, then, you know, that's where the experiences are, are produced, essentially. And then, you know, with the parents are the ones sending their kids to camp. So um, I love that we're gaining those kinds of perspectives. Well, and I'll, I'll add that um, I would say the biggest single takeaway we have from the work we're doing with staff mm -hmm. is that staff are, are very much in their own developmental experiences mm -hmm. or developmental trajectories. That's the stage of life. <clears throat> and that the key to finding and keeping great staff is developing a staff work experience. Yes. Much like you would develop a camper experience. So almost a, realigning the staff work experience as another program, mm -hmm. much in the, the way we do for campers that working at camp is a program with participants. We might call them staff, but they are participants of this program. Absolutely. With identified outcomes mm -hmm. and with kind of a, a, a trajectory. So mm -hmm. one thing that we're looking at with staff, I mean, very clearly young people today, <clears throat> most do not choose to work at camp for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of pressure now to go on to internships and jobs and and so forth. And that's always been the case, but I think we're seeing that play out more so today than in the past. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that there's actually a natural progression um, that's, uh, you know, about two to three years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Within two to three years, most seasonal staff anyway need to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Well, what if we really la leveraged that two to three year window? Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to keep people coming back, said, okay, you're going to be here for three years and we're going to create a three year developmental experience where each year you get a new set of responsibilities that build on what you did the following year, treating it more like an internship mm -hmm. where at the end of it, a staff person can say, here's what I gained. 
here's, you know, kind of the outcomes of that experience. And here's how this translates into whatever my preferred career is. Mm. It's, I, you know, there's, we're getting a lot out of our staff research right now that is really going to, I think, inform the next, the next generation of, of staffing and how we staff our camp experiences. Absolutely. And so whenever you um, receive that kind of staff data, is that something that you work with Kim Acock with Project Real Job? Because mm-hmm. uh, I know that's a huge initiative that she's, uh, she and uh, others are leading. Yeah, Kim and, and Deb Jordan. Deb Jordan, um, yeah. We have um, kind of an informal uh, pattern now of, of just getting together over zoom and, and sharing Great. out. I call them my brain dumps sure. <laughs> and kind of at key moments in the research. I'll say, Devin, Kim, I got some stuff. For that. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. We'll on zoom and I'll just dump a whole bunch of stuff at them and we'll have some dialogue about how it can be used. Um, one really nice example of how research and project real job, uh, the, those two initiatives are working together is at our upcoming research forum. Mm-hmm. And this is a shameless plug. I know this is not about the impact study per se, but I do have to mention That's that okay. the first time ever at our research forum, we're doing a panel mm-hmm. and it's a panel of six different research papers, mm-hmm. all of which have to do with staff. So they were selected because they all focus on some element of the camp staff experience. Mm-hmm. And we've asked Deb and Kim to be the moderators of that panel. And they have come up with some excellent uh, ways to really um, ask the panelists to not only share about their own research, but to identify linkages across these areas of research and to engage the audience. So shameless plug to whoever's listening, come to a research forum. That research, it's the first session on Wednesday morning, and it will be very audience focused, mm-hmm. lots of opportunity for Q&A and lots of opportunity to engage with very uh, hot off the press research around camp staff. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a great plug right there. Honestly, okay. it's great. Anywhere. Yeah. No, it's, it's totally, it's totally fine. And honestly, we encourage that. So that's perfect. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we we're talking about some of the, you know, the dyads and the, the ways that you're uh, speaking with the people that, you know, you're interviewing, talking to, are there any things that you've found uh, during this recent impact uh, study where, the findings are jumping out at you. They're surprising you things that you might not have expected before you started. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of, lots of nuggets along the way, but what I will share with you is not necessarily something that's unexpected, but something that we are particularly excited about Okay. because this actually aligns with another pillar of our strategic plan around access and, and equity. And that is, um, you know, I said, we, we have these dyads, these parent-child pairs, and the study began with 460 dyads, quite a large sample. And in the work that we've done, we've been able to um, essentially categorize those dyads into kind of four different buckets. We call it a typology of decision-making, basically a way to kind of organize how people make decisions about camp. Mm-hmm. And the research team is, is you know, really trying to explore what makes this group similar, what makes this group similar. It's kind of like market segmentation, mm-hmm. right? Defining what this, this community of parents looks like. Well, one of those segments um, is, is a group that we're calling the constrainers, but what that means is that they, they through different um, kind of elements of our research, we've identified that they face significant barriers and constraints to sending their child to camp. This is actually a group of parents and campers that have expressed um, interest and desire to go to camp. In fact, mm-hmm. they did go to camp at one point. That's how they were recruited into the study, but they're either no longer going to camp or they're going to different kinds of camp than they would like to because of 
various uh, barriers and constraints, largely financial. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really looking at this segment as the, the group that we, uh, we need to know much more about. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, one of our pillars, another pillar of the strategic plans around access and equity, mm -hmm. there's no way that we can increase access until we understand barriers. So we're really diving in deep with that particular segment. In fact, shifted some of our methodology around to allow um, deeper exploration with that group to truly understand those barriers um, and understand, you know, how can we mitigate them? How can we minimize them? How can we make sure that camp is culturally relevant um, across diverse populations? Uh, so this is the part where, you know, and I, I think I speak on behalf of the research team and our research advisory committee that we're seeing the most critical work. And this is really where we're going to be, again, diving in deep over the next uh, about 18 months or so. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And so so I guess and you kind of already answered this. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but, um, you know, kind of looking for towards the future. What are some things that you are most excited for in terms of what ACA is doing with either the strategic plan or with the impact study what are things that just so things to look forward to maybe whether yeah. that be an actionable um initiatives or changes that might be made yeah yeah well i'll, I'll say two things um one is just to follow on from really where i where i what i just said and that's with regard to the impact study and this notion of really understanding um camp experiences from the lenses of people who are the future of our camp community. Mm -hmm. And that includes campers, families, and staff. Mm -hmm. And I would add not just seasonal frontline staff, but camp administration and leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, we uh, have an incredible legacy. Camp has been around for a very long time. Uh, we know through our data that we serve millions of kids, millions of staff members, millions of families every single year. But our strategic plan really gives us now the energy and I, I think the engine to, to really expand our reach to communities that we have not served as thoroughly as, as we would like to mm -hmm. moving forward. So like I said, the impact study is, is really going to dive in deep with understanding constraints and barriers. Mm -hmm. But next, I hope on the very near horizon is this notion of understanding camp from a cultural relevance lens and a mm -hmm. cultural sustaining lens. I think we've always kind of assume that it, but camp is great for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty, <laughs> you know, we get really excited about camp, but how do we know what is great? How do we know what's right. appropriate and relevant and accessible to diverse communities? Mm -hmm. And we can't decide that. We need to engage people from these communities in examining camp practices, examining access, examining outcomes of camp. You know, we talk a lot about, let's just say independence is a great example. Independence is a, we have so much evidence about camp as a context that promotes independence and independence in Western culture is really celebrated. Right. But what about our community members who don't value independence, that really value interdependence? Can camp be a context that really supports families mm -hmm. and community development and interdependence across, across generations? So I think that's an entirely new frontier that our strategic plan really gives us not only, um, direction but gives us responsibility to pursue and i'm really excited about that um, i'll also add and we share this somewhat quietly in places so i'm not going to give a lot of detail on this because it still um, hasn't been blasted out uh, officially yet but we have a new project launching around uh, systems of support for program quality and continuous program improvement mm -hmm. in camps 
Uh, that's a lot of words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of words. And it's actually a really big, probably an entirely different podcast. Okay. <laughs> we might want to <laughs> do <you> that. <laughs> um, but I, I will say this, this is a tremendous opportunity for us really to understand staff practices and behaviors, literally the ways that staff interact one-on-one -on -one with campers and the way activities are structured to support a sense of belonging, emotional safety, appropriate risk-taking and challenge. All of those pieces are what we consider practices that make for a quality experience. Mm -hmm. okay? And so we're going to be doing a lot of work around creating communities of support uh, because Every, you know, every camp wants to provide a quality experience, but it's, it's actually something that's continuous. It requires continuous assessment, continuous use of assessment information, goal setting and program improvement. And, and that's actually not easy work. It's kind of messy. And, and the more that you can have a, com a community to support it, um, the better. So we're going to be building those communities of support. And uh, so I, I do say to whoever's listening, look out for that. And if you have any interest in that uh, program quality work, there'll be lots of opportunities uh, to engage and learn more. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you for those examples. That's, yeah. that's incredible. So exciting to look into the future. A lot of great stuff coming. So we appreciate yeah. it. So camp friends and family. And that's Dr. Lori Brown. Uh, Dr. Lori, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we uh, wrap things up? Well, of course, I always have shameless plugs. If you're, if you're Absolutely. Be in San Diego, join us for the research forum. We have four research sessions uh, presented for the first time this year as Ignite sessions, meaning they're going to be exciting. Uh, each each uh, research paper will have about five minutes, and then you have the opportunity to interact directly with the researchers and ask tons of questions. Cool. Um, as always, we'll have our poster session where you can mingle uh, with the research community, and we have a research social which as researchers, we always think we are so funny. Hey, <laughs> that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> Such a thing as a research social. That is Wednesday evening at our national conference. Any and all welcome. We come to celebrate um, the recipients of our EELS Award of Research and Practice and the Marge Scanlon Award for uh, Student Research. So lots of fun to be celebrated. And as always, uh, a second shameless plug for the Research 360 blog coming to your inbox uh, every other week. Lots yeah. of great tips and tricks around research and evaluation and great way to keep up to date on all things ACA research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We just keep it coming for you folks. So that's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Lori. Um, I will see you at national conference, uh, excited for all the uh, festivities. And, um, so we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks Kyle. Have a great awesome. day. All right. You too. And that's today's episode. We just want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you, Dr. Lori Brown, for taking time out of your busy schedule. And we really appreciate you listening. Go ahead and take this opportunity to like, comment, or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to, whether it be Podbean or Spotify, whatever it might be. And we really surely appreciate it. Let us know in the comments what you'd like to hear about next, and we'll do our best to cater to our listeners. Camp friends and family, this has been the Camp Wire podcast. My name is Kyle Winkle, and we hope you have a great day. We'll see you at National Conference.